song you just heard is Dog of War by the Hell Yeah Babies, which means I'm Nick Bond. I'm Dylan Roth. Holy crap, Dylan Roth? You like helped write the song we just heard, right? Yeah. In fact, I did. In fact, the first voice you hear on every episode of How Wrestling Explains the World is actually mine. And we are so happy to have you. Uh, as everyone knows, last week we talked about Shane McMahon and... Uh, Exciting episode today, Dylan, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I cannot think of a better direct connection, at least for me, between Shane and Batman. Like, he is this, like, spoiled rich kid of a wealthy family that goes above and beyond to prove that he's, like, normal. I guess. Not even normal, but, like worthy of what he has and that to me like when i think of shane i almost always think of bruce wayne maybe not batman but bruce wayne see i'd really like to to hear you're gonna have to sell me on this one nick because i'll be honest when you when you when first of all you pitch me a batman episode i'm absolutely in regardless of what the tie-in is like what it is that wrestling is explaining and what it is that, that uh that's explains. explained by wrestling um but Shane McMahon has never come to mind for me as a person who thinks about both Batman and professional wrestling a great deal. I don't think I've ever thought about the two of them in the same in the same hour before. <laughs> well, what I think I think there's like obviously the jokey like weird parent issues. Um, but to me, the biggest thing that reminds me of Shane and uh, that reminds me of the Batman character when I think of Shane is escalation. Like, he is the guy who ends up, and this is a recurring theme, I don't know how much in the comics, but in the movies it definitely is, that Batman is a presence that brings chaos to Gotham and brings, uh, like, heightened stakes, and it makes it, uh, it, obviously Gotham is an important place in the DC universe, but it makes it even more uh, attractive to a very specific kinds of crazy people because Batman is there. And I think that, Shane is for me the the avatar for the extreme late 90s style of wrestling even more so than like Jeff Hardy because Shane was literally jumping off of things that like even Jeff Hardy's like dude that's a little high that's kind of insane yeah but Shane McMahon jumps off a lot of stuff because it's pretty much the only thing that he knows how to do in a wrestling context like in the ring it's basically he's got he's got his three things that he can I guess four and three of them are jumping right he's got the little baby punches <laughs> uh he's got his corner to corner which nowadays is kind of more like uh, I think Daniel Radford on uh on Titan fight so I think also is the one who got me calling them baby punches uh, I think she calls it like a, a a coast to Midwest or something like that. <laughs> uh, he's got a shooting star press which which is cool you never you don't really expect it from that guy, even though he's done it before. I'm always blown away when he, when he pulls it off and then he jumps off of stuff like off of the high thing. He does an elbow and, and he doesn't have any form to it. You know, like I, I'll be honest. The thing that's really a stretch for me here is to me, Shane is very limited and Batman is famously like without limits, right? Like his, he has, he has a rule that he follows and he has like, and he can do basically as like as a character, like it's part of his whole thing that he could learn to do anything, and he has, and he's prepared for everything. Um, and so he's sort of the, the he's meant to be like the peak of like the peak of human potential is Batman, and I don't think about the peak of human potential when I think about Shane McMahon. Uh, well, obviously you're crazy. Uh... <laughs> For a bunch of different reasons. I know he's the One, best in the world. I know he was crowned the yeah, best in the world. Yeah, in exactly. I don't. We won't name. Apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, he's the best in the world, as is presumably for certain people, Batman. But I guess you're coming at it with a very positive view of Batman. I believe. I think yeah, that's fair no, to you, say. You'd be correct. I. I mean. I have um, what could be best described as a lukewarm feeling about batman in both uh like character sense of that character within the larger context of the dc universe but also in the kind of weird bending effects that it feels like it has with uh a bunch of different tentacles of 
the larger conversations around comics, around comic book movies. I think he... He doesn't suck, but in my experience, uh, like the concept, the concept of like prep time Batman is is something I think you're with, which you are familiar, right? Yes, sir. Uh, to me, it's kind of like, why does Shane win matches? Well, because he's willing to jump off of anything, right? Like he's willing, his big thing in terms of winning matches is that I will fall off of literally anything and hopefully land on you. And to me, that is like the prep time Batman of wrestling. Like, I like Batman. I love the Christopher Nolan movies. I like the earlier movies. Uh, I don't mean like the serial from the 1930s or 40s, whatever. I mean like the Tim Burton, uh, less the Joel Schumacher movies. But I feel as though there is this kind of feeling about Batman that is representative of a lot of things that are wrong, not with Batman, but with Batman fandom. And I think Shane is very similar. When I'm thinking of Shane and Batman, I'm thinking in the in a much more meta sense than like the actual character, canonical character of Batman. Does that make sense? I suppose. Um, certainly, um, WWE plays favorites towards Shane and puts him in stories where he really really probably doesn't belong like he doesn't really belong like he shouldn't i don't think he should be holding belts in the year 2018 or 2019 you know uh because there's an enormously stacked roster of people who have who are uh killing themselves on a daily basis and need this job whereas uh he's the heir to a multimillionaire who then turned his uh, the uh, his inheritance into or rather the you know the money that he was born into into more money and um, I feel like he's really only doing this to prove something to his uh, sociopath dad. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't have. He doesn't have to do this. He really doesn't. does. Does Batman have to do what he does? Psycho and I mean, psychologically, yes. Yeah, so I guess we could say it's the same in that respect. But and then I, he certainly plays favorites for for Batman because, like, he's he's like he's their guy. And I think, uh, yeah, like, and I I actually do love Batman. We'll get into why I don't read as many Batman comics, but uh, like current Batman comics and has to do with volume, sheer <laughs> volume. Uh, but I actually got into comics through Batman. I read a bunch of Batman graphic novels and then eventually it was just like, screw it. I think the first comic I ever bought was a Batman 66 uh so like and i know that sounds sad because it came out however many years ago six years ago or whatever so like i i just started buying comics in the last 10 years and like i like batman so this isn't me thinking negative about batman but i feel like what you're saying with the idea of favorites i think that's they are representative of not just like i said a problem with fan the fandoms uh, but the ways in which the realities of the of capitalism basically can affect how a story is told. I, I feel like they're both to me very symbolic of that. That like the reason Shane's in shit he shouldn't be in is because Shane is over and people weirdly want to pay to see Shane go through uh, boats. I would assume they would like to see him go through a boat, perhaps like, I don't know, some sort of tiki hut. Like they want to see him go through stuff and they were willing to pay it. And I think that people also feel that way about Batman, though. I think what they want to see him do beyond like brood and beat up people is a little more abstract. Like, I think they like what you said. He symbolizes in many ways, the pinnacle of humanity. But I think that they then that becomes warped in a way that I think is is just not uh, something I I don't know how to how you fix that problem. They they're just so symbolic of that that commerce meets art problem that I don't know how to solve. Like I they're they're like the establishment version. They're like they represent a kind of corporate corporatization of entertainment. I feel like that I just don't love. Does oh, that make sense? 
No, I absolutely understand what you mean, man. Like, uh, being somebody who enjoys mass media in the modern day when we're so aware of the horrible, the horrible people who make money from it, um, and the way that we're being worked, like enjoying any kind of mass media is more, more and more like enjoying professional wrestling in that you have to be like, no, I'm work me. It's fine. I, I know, <laughs> I know you're fucking with me. I know that you're just after my money. You don't really have anything to say, but you're going to show me a good time and I'm going to buy into this story. And while I'm reading it or while I'm watching it uh, or while I'm listening to it, I'm going to just enjoy myself. And then as soon as it's over and be like, fuck, why did I just give another $16 to Disney? Damn it. <laughs> like that was the experience of Endgame for me, right? Like I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe to death. I love the, like, like there's two, there's two out of the 23 movies that they've, or 22 movies that they've put out that I, that I like wouldn't watch right now. If you asked me and I was watching it with somebody like, like it's kind of thing where you can have fun hanging out with a friend, having a drink, watching a movie you've already seen. If you pitched me a Marvel movie, I'm pretty much going to say cool. Right. But so you want to watch Thor Dark World? No, that's one of the two I, I wouldn't watch. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. That's my favorite. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, for any of you who haven't listened uh, to uh, Nick and I on a podcast together before, uh, Nick's the person who uh, – uh, I'm the person who Nick has on when he wants to argue with somebody about something because <laughs> we agree about, like, nothing. We have all the same But interests. we love each other. We so. love each other, but we and we have so many of the same interests, and we agree on nothing. <laughs> um nothing yes uh so the um right uh like like i, I grit my teeth and I'm like there's no way i'm not a day one adopter of disney plus there's no way i'm not getting it right like <laughs> you're fucking telling I'm, me man i'm pissed about the <laughs> my wife's uh, parents are DV dvc members like we're looking to do that too like we are all in on fucking disney <laughs> yeah it's like i they they're gobbling up everything that i like and they're doing good mass media with it right like i like the disney star wars movies i like the movies that happened like people were doom saying when the marvel bought when marvel got bought by disney like oh they're gonna gut they're gonna get the film franchise which then was like you know f four movies deep like oh they're gonna take away what's good about it no it got wait it got it's at least as good like nothing changed except for they just made more of it and like yeah it's too much but i'm still going right because it keeps being fun like uh, i did a post the other day on twitter i was like uh, yesterday, from the day that we're recording this, they dropped the trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. And uh, right before I watched it, I was thinking, you know, Endgame really left me with a full belly. It was a very satisfying finale. And I really kind of wish there wasn't a Spider-Man movie coming out in two months, because I'd like to kind of sit with this for a little while and take a breath. And then I watched the Spider-Man trailer, and I'm like, bring me Spider-Man <laughs> right now. This movie looks like so much fun, and I'm going to have a like, great time goofing around talking about it with my friends and then i'll end up watching it fucking six times at home when you know the following year like i'm a mark i'm a complete mark for it and but i'm also like i'm a mark for marvel movies more than i am for marvel comics and i'm a mark for dc comics more than i am for like dc movies because they generally don't agree with me but being a fan of something like batman batman and shane are such good but this is what i think they really do have common have in common is that in the narrative of wwe Shane is like the good rich bastard. Yes. Like yes. the McMahons are bad, right? And we know in real life and in the story, the McMahons are bad people. But Shane is like, no, but he's he's like the sweet one. He's on our side. He's for us, right? I can root for Shane. Fuck Vince. Fuck Steph. Fuck Trips. Shane's the same. Shane's the same kind of people. He's the same guy. But but we're, but narratively, you know, he he's he's the sweet one except he turned heel recently and he's, you know, sure. But like, he's generally the one who's on our side, who we can trust and he can fight for us when the rest of his family uh, and like, you know, everybody in his tax bracket is like, Oh, well fuck off. Bruce Wayne is the myth of the benevolent billionaire, right? He's the ultimate embodiment of yeah. that. I mean, oh, definitely. He's sort of overtaken by Tony Stark and the current zeitgeist, but Bruce Wayne is like, we want to believe that somebody who has the power to do anything would do good things, right? Like Lex Luthor is his dark mirror, um, which is why the two of them actually end up being them being like enemies in the comics nearly as often as for a period of time, like very like very frequently. Uh, not just Superman and Lex Luthor, but Batman and Lex Luthor, because it's just a natural thing. Lex Luthor is unbridled capitalism at its most realistic, <laughs> right? 
where uh where he's just he just wants more and more and he wants uh and it's a vanity thing and it's a power thing and you know he doesn't care about any about anybody but himself and his own and his bottom line and bruce wayne cares only for other people uh to to the extent that he is a fundamentally like you know depending on interpretation depending on who's writing depending on what time period your story is set like a, a fundamentally like absolutely shattered human being because he thinks a lot of himself but he does not take care of himself beyond what is required for yeah. his job right like he he stays in great physical shape he keeps himself very intellectually stimulated but he sleeps like in 30 minute increments like three times a day and his personal relationships he puts no work into them and everybody else around him is doing all of the work to maintain those personal relationships. And it's been that way, like since 1986, since the character was reinvented in crisis on infinite earths and Batman year one, he is just, he's here for you. He's working just for you, the people and like never for himself, you know, 70, 80 years of stories. There's exceptions. Sure. But, and you want to believe that there'd be somebody who would who would have those that unlimited potential to do good, who would do good. It absolutely isn't real, right? It's a complete fucking fantasy. Because <laughs> if that person existed, if that person existed, uh, <laughs> you would probably have heard of him. I mean, like, even Bruce Wayne's bullshit public persona, right, where he's kind of stupid and, like, and vain, mm-hmm. he's still immensely charitable, right? Like, that's still still part of his thing he has the wayne foundation he still like he still supports the people he just has to play it being kind of stupid and doing it for appearances uh because otherwise like if, if people get too wise to hey this guy's actually pretty bright and has some good ideas uh he he like you can start doing the math that oh you think he might be batman <laughs> and lots of care there's a whole thing recently in uh, i think it was in um Scott Snyder's All-Star Batman recently, they're talking about, like, no, lots of people could guess that Bruce Wayne is Batman. It's just hard to prove that Bruce Wayne is Batman. So it's just not it's not worth it. They're both doing enough good that, like, why would you why would you fuck with it? Yeah. Uh, but this, he's not real, right? And so as as somebody who, like, you know, you, you spend money to support, just like in professional wrestling, this complete fucking lie because it feels good. Yeah, that is professional wrestling. I'm pretty sure, in a sense, is the supporting this big fucking lie because it feels good. Yeah, I'm just I'm just putting money in Warner Brothers pockets, right? Like I, you know, I'm supporting comics creators, and and that's cool. Uh, they don't get paid the way that they should get paid for the work that they do, which is true in just about every industry. But um, yeah, Shane McMahon is not good. Uh, <laughs> He feels good. He feels like someone, even when he's a bad guy, right? Like in the late, the late nineties, early two thousands, when he was a bad guy, he was still beloved for the most part, because again, he's willing to jump off anything. Yeah, he does it for you. All right. You know what, Nick, you kind of got me going here. You got your, your, we've drawn these lines. I'm starting to see what you're talking about a little bit because he is the guy who doesn't like, he doesn't have to do this, but for you, for your entertainment and your entertainment dollar, of course, it's really about the dollar, right? But in in the narrative sense, he's going to jump off that shit for you. He could go home and do nothing for the rest of his life, and he'd be set. He's fine. But instead, he's going to jump off of a cell or a Titantron or, like, fucking do the weirdest rep, the weirdest rendition of, like, Kota Ibushi's uh, fucking Cork and Hall spot that got him banned for a decade uh, at WrestleMania. And... And we'll cheer him for it, even though he's the heel in that match, right? But he did the cool thing. So yeah. I was, and I, for anybody listening in the future, I was just referring to Shane McMahon and the Miz's match at WrestleMania 35, where they, they jumped off of like a balcony on the second level of the stadium or something. Scaffolding. Scaffolding. Okay. I know that from my new job. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and he's the heel. He's the heel in the match. But he's still he's still doing this bullshit for you. Yeah. Right? So, all right, you know what, Nick? You, you, got, you talked me into it. Now I can get to the good stuff, which is, uh, I think that... <sighs> now I'm kind of done. We can, I think we can just end the episode. No. Uh... I can have everybody. <laughs> talk about my tour. <laughs> um, and, and I think, and we've kind of hinted at this uh, earlier, but I think that because of all of the things we just talked about, in, in terms of the way we interact with these characters, uh, meaning Shane and Batman, that the gravity of the universe, because I've always felt that, uh, and please tell me if you disagree, uh, that ultimately every DC story 
give it give or take a couple is essentially a superman story because superman can is god basically in terms of his powers on earth like he can has supersonic hearing he can be basically anywhere in the entire world in a split second he anything that he's not doing he's either occupied in an actual superman story or he's choosing not to intervene so you're 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 positing that like by that same logic every story is a story about god because it starts with god didn't stop this from happening therefore (laughs) yeah but in that example you have to presuppose that god exists in the dc universe i have to presuppose that superman exists all right like okay yeah so but the reason i mentioned this is that despite that um Batman is kind of, is I think unequivocally the star of the DC universe. I, I is that would you agree disagree? Who who do you, if you were to pick the main eventer, the John Cena, if you will, of the DC universe, can we agree it would be Batman? Oh, absolutely. And there's data to back it up. You know, like once upon a time, it may have been Superman. Um, there was a, a a wane in the popularity of Batman in the 70s and early 80s, I would say. Um, there was a period of time in 1985, right before Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they were actually considering cutting down one or the other, either Batman or Detective Comics. They were considering no longer having them both as monthly titles, and there would only be one Batman book, which there has not been since uh, 1940. So... There was a period of time where he was he was in dire straits, and they and editor Denny O'Neill was was hired back at DC, and uh and even even though we just had a successful graphic novel with um or I guess it was limited series of four with Legends uh sorry with um with uh, Dark Knight Returns, uh the the monthly books were not doing well right people were not at the place they are now where they can't get enough Batman, and he's and he goes to Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli and he says, let me put your your novel in the monthly book for four months because we really need to get people buying the monthly Batman book, right? And it worked. And from that point on, there have only been, in, in, from 1986 on, like just those those four issues, right, that were supposed to be a novel and ended up being a novel anyway after the fact, they get, they get like an enormous explosion over the years of Batman titles to the point that, uh, I did a little, uh, did a little, did a little head count today, um, that, this month, that's May 2019, there are seven titles coming out. I'm just talking about single issues. That's uh, ongoings, miniseries, or one-shots that came out in the month of uh, May 2019. There are seven different series with the name Batman in the title, plus Detective Comics. There's four additional titles that have Batman on the cover that are not any of those eight. Uh, then there's five more, or six more, that are based specifically on a character that originates in Batman Comics. And then he's also in Justice League, and both Teen Titans and Young Justice are anchored by Robins. So that's 23 Batman or Batman-adjacent titles out of 56 titles they put out that month. 41% of all DC books in the month of May have Batman or a Batman character in them. That's crazy. That is really ridiculous. I hadn't actually, you wrote these stats while I was on the train and I hadn't actually looked at them. That is insane. And I think that what that says to me is that people kind of can't get enough of, I, I will say this, people who want what Batman is selling can't get enough of Batman. But I think what is interesting for me, and this is, I said I would get to this, I don't get a Batman is not on my pull list. It's not again that I don't like Batman. It's that there are too many Batman comics for me to want to get involved in. And I think that that plays into why essentially stars like Shane and like Batman get the pushes that they not pushes, not even the word, the, places on the cards that they do and in the involvement in the storylines that they do and it's because 
once you have a character like Shane or like Batman, there's this almost in a, like you just constantly want more of that specific person. And when you're getting inundated with a lot of comics, like there's 40, 56 comics, there was 52 when the new 52 came out, which was, if I remember correctly, did they pare it down or did they have a lot more? I, I can't remember when they went to. It, they've, done, they've gone back and forth. You know, it always depends on what they can sustain. And I think 52 was always about how many ongoing titles there were. So when you had miniseries or you have one shots that kind of inflates and deflates. And with that, that you get, so you, what you essentially have is this captive audience of people who constantly want the same thing to happen, uh, which is how you get a Shane. It's also how you get like, I, uh, who I mentioned earlier, Cena. And to me, a lot of the, what we talked about with the uh, prep time Batman, this idea of the like LOL Cena slash Batman wins as almost a trope in it, there's the Batman Gambit, which is uh, is a TV trope. I believe it's that everyone has to do exactly what you think they're going to do uh, in order for your plan to work, but you do it. I forgot. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna look. Yeah, it's, it's the idea. The Batman Gambit is when um, you have the solution because you can absolutely guess or predict your opponent's moves. And it's usually contrasted with the Xanatos Gambit, which is it doesn't matter what your opponent's moves are, yes. you're going to win. Yeah, and I think that there's this idea that no matter what you do, John Cena is going to hit the attitude adjustment or get you in the STFU slash is a, a, a STF. They just need the STF, right? Uh, and I feel like that is essentially what happens with Batman. And because of that, you get these like questionable decisions about what you can have that character do. Like, I think that the idea uh, of Batman as capable of fighting people who are Superman level characters is something that the, that like John Cena also it's struggled with a little bit in terms of how do you keep Batman alive but also escalate the people that he's going up against without making it so ridiculous that you've swung it too far in the other direction. I feel like they both have this kind of dilemma, but I feel like, at least in my experience, Batman deals with it a lot better. Do you have some insight as to... Do you agree I should first... I should start with that, but also do you have some insight as to why you think that might be the case? If you do in fact agree with that? I, I think it's a problem of form, you know, uh, the, they're each sort of suffering from their, the, uh, the form in which their narrative is delivered, right? In superhero comics. And this is just a superhero comics thing. Comics is a medium that can do all kinds of things. So this is just for this genre, big two superhero comics that are meant to be these n- never ending narrative and money machines, right? the hero is always going to win the rematch eventually, right? They're always going to get, they might have to sacrifice something, they might lose something, but there's they're going to keep making this. Like, Batman's died a couple times just in the last, like, or died or been knocked out of commission in some way. Like, you know, in my lifetime, three or four times that count, you know? Um, but he's always going to win the rematch because in the end, you, you want to make more Batman books. And usually people, you know, want eventually to see Bruce Wayne be Batman again like you can get knocked out and you, you know you bring in somebody else you might have something somebody bad replaces him if you have Jean-Paul Valley somebody good replaces him you have Dick Grayson but ultimately Bruce Wayne's gonna wear the suit again and he's gonna have to he's gonna have to eventually beat the guy who beat him the first time right so and you can put it off for as long as you want like I don't think Batman won clean over Bane for a really long time after Bane after he put Bane over in 1993 94 um but ultimately that's going to happen, right? The weird thing, and, and, and the people usually want that, right? In a hero, in an, in an adventure story, in, in just about almost any kind of story, you will ultimately, you want the hero to struggle, but you do want the hero to win. Professional wrestling suffers from its own form because wrestling, unlike in comics, people are supposed to come and go. They're supposed to rise, and then they're supposed to fall, and then they're supposed to put the next guy over, and then they're supposed to disappear. But when you have somebody who's as marketable as your Batman, your main character, like your biggest draw, you can't 
have him go away and lose. Like, WWE is struggling with this very, very much right now, right? Like, they they would love for Cena, I'm sure, to not be the biggest name in their business anymore because they need to be able to survive without him. And I think he would like for them to survive without him. Like, clearly he loves professional wrestling because he doesn't have to keep coming back. But he comes back in part because he's very loyal to this company, right? So he's going to keep coming back. He wins less. He wins less now, right? But people got exhausted because when he was the guy who has the equivalent of 17 books out a month or whatever, who people can't get enough of and the company knows can keep milking him for money, he's just going to keep winning. And, it, and other com- ca- uh, characters would, would suffer. And that has to do with, with expectations. In any, other, in, any other genre, in any other medium, we expect him to keep winning the rematch. And in wrestling, we think eventually he should lose. Would it help if, and this is just me spitballing, John Cena had his equivalent of Calendar Man, easily the best of Batman's rogues gallery. Ah, uh, you know what? That's an interesting pick, but uh, pretty cool. Pretty good pick. <laughs> Julian Day, motherfucker. Yeah. Boom. No, he was the the bad guy in the first one I read for the first, like, t- 10 uh, minutes. The, the Long yeah. Halloween is a great one to start with, man. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Uh, but no, I think that uh, for me, like, part of the problem is that in Batman and in superhero comics in general, but I think in Batman in particular, there is kind of a mechanism through which villains can be laundered almost, which is like the Arkham Asylum system. You can kind of put people away and have them come back. I feel like wrestling would be very well served figuring out a way to recycle new characters where they can come in and out of stories, but without losing the fact that they're like... uh, Chris Jericho is actually a good example of what I'm talking about. He is somebody who just shows up, does things for a couple of months, and then goes away. Well, when, at his best, this is what they do with the Joker. Um, there will be periods of time where um, they will use the Joker more sparingly, and those are when you get the best action out of the Joker. But the the problem is when you have so many titles, and I want to clarify a couple things from earlier i absolutely agree with you that there are too many batman comics the very first line of the very first entry of my uh, batman blog gotham city book club which is designed to be a um a reader for a new reader friendly guide through post-crisis batman is there are too many batman comics 100 agree i would never read all these and i'm a dc universe subscriber now which means any of them older than 12 months i can read whenever i want i'm never gonna fucking read all those books a lot of them are not good <laughs> um but I think that what what happens then is that like you can't you can't put Joker on the shelf for too long because well we got we got all these got all these books and we got a lot of good villains an incredible number of good villains but like this writer and this artist they want to play with the Joker you got to take him out of the toy box there's people who are gonna buy it if he's in it just just go ahead just just have him do another thing and maybe it'll count and maybe it won't but. I think really what 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 where WWE suffers, and there are other wrestling promotions that that have realized that this is a way around this problem is they had to keep giving Cena the win over other people when they should have made it stable around him. Like what makes Batman a character who's able to have all these books and have like all of these spinoffs is that he's got he's got a posse, and there's an there's a lot of characters who have been built up around him that now sustain their own books. Dick Grayson, Nightwing, has sustained his own monthly title for um, over it for uh, like almost two decades now. Um, there's an uh, ongoing Batgirl title that that has, there's pretty much always been a Batgirl book on since the year 2000. Um, Harley Quinn has had a very successful title for a while. Actually, had two or three monthly books in the 2000s. She's very popular. She's a character that just, you know, she was a throwaway character on an animated series episode. And now she's a sensation. She's the star of a, a movie that is not very good, but, she, but you know, her character is kind of cool in it. Margot Robbie's good in it. Um, the shitty Robin from the 80s, who the fans voted to kill, has had his own monthly book continuously now for, for eight or nine years. Like, Bat- Batman character, Batman 
like there are there's more than just him he's not a monolith you know yeah the bat family is an incredibly important part of both the dc business model but also the dc universe at large there's kind of like what they call in ball sports uh coaching tree you know like sports balls Yeah, yeah exactly yes but you 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 have the ability to do this in wrestling as, as well. I think New Japan is very good at this. You can get people invested in a new character much more quickly if you put them in Chaos or Bullet Club or, or Los Ingobernables, right? You, you, like, I didn't care. If you just bring me, I don't know, uh, Shingo um, as a new wrestler, he's in the juniors division uh, in New Japan who debuted last year, you just put him in there. Like, okay, I'm going to watch him. He's a good wrestler, so I'll enjoy his matches. But I'm not necessarily immediately invested, except for they built him up as we're putting a new member in LIJ because Hiromu Takahashi is hurt. We're going to build up a little bit. We're going to have a new guy. And he's friends with the guy that I like, right? And so I'm rooting for him. Right away, I'm interested in their relationship to one another because stories are about relationships. And WWE is only interested really in one kind of relationship, which is I hate that guy. Um, if suppose that Cena hadn't just been this lone, this lone Superman type hero and bear in mind, the Superman does have supporting characters who matter. And there's a Supergirl and there's a Superboy and Lois Lane and, and Jimmy Olsen and all of that. And each of them has sustained their own book for a period of time, but never quite, he's never been quite the sprawling, uh, ensemble cast of people with their own, with their, with their own supporting cast, right. As there is for Batman. And that's because, Superman doesn't need a posse. Mm-hmm. Like, he's... I'm not shitting on Superman either. I, I don't really go for the whole Superman is boring because he's too powerful argument. I think that... Oh, he's my absolute favorite comic book character ever. I, right on. So I don't have to explain it yeah, to you. Yeah, right? I love Superman. I, I will eventually do an episode on Superman, but uh, I'm a little too much of a mark for Superman <laughs> to actually do it. But continue, sorry. Right. But if if WWE would allow stables to grow again um and wasn't so afraid of like wrestlers organizing (laughs) that that they would that they can have like the new day rules because we love the new day because the new day loves each other right and now i don't want to ever see the new day split up but if they each went on their own singles runs for a while i would be very invested in each of them succeeding. Like if you put them on three separate brands and I was a person who currently wanted to watch three different wrestling shows every week, hell, I would watch all three of the if I would if you put you said, okay, um Biggie's on SmackDown, Kofi's on Raw, and uh Xavier Woods is on two oh five live. I'm way more likely to watch two oh five live than I was last week. Because I like them because they care about because they like each other and they can go and do their thing and they can come back in. Just like Nightwing is often a good book. It's not always a good book, but like I'm more likely to pick up Nightwing than I am to pick up, and it sucks that this is true, but it is, than I am to pick up an original character's new book. Like if you want to make a new star at DC, you put them in the Batman family. Yeah, you kind of give them that horseman rub of like, here, he's clearly, he or she is clearly at a level that we can, we can, they can be trusted in this, by this trusted brand TM. Like Batman TM is what is actually being sold to you. It's like, you like Batman, right? Well, here's a guy from the Batman universe. Isn't that great? And you're like, yeah, 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 this guy's fucking great. Where like you said, if it's just like a random, like I am actually, uh, because like I'm a real comics fan, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry uh no just because I, I because i don't have like 23 books being taken up by batman i actually do go out of my way to try random comics because i'm not kind of in this batman universe as much and i think that's like if i was i would only i do actually here's the where i do it deadpool Anything with Deadpool. Literally, I have a standing order at the comic book store, which is anything with Deadpool in the title, I want. If oh, Deadpool... and they love you, man. That's why there's five Deadpool books now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I do the same thing. But for Marvel, I'm less experimental than I am with DC because I've been sucked into, like, the deadpool averse of it all on the Marvel end. And I so I, I definitely see where you're coming from, where it's like, oh, you want to make, like, 
Gwenpool work? Oh, you can throw her in a random. Uh, you can have Deadpool in a random Gwenpool. But but, but these trusts are bad. I want to also clarify. I don't. I'm not buying all these books. <laughs> I, I uh. No, we know. We we've seen your pull list. We know exactly. You buy every single Batman comic and you put them in order of which cover you like the most. It's okay. Just admit. Uh, I'm currently buying. Uh, zero DC comic books. Uh, well, that's a that's a. I, I don't know if I can. I feel comfortable. I am a very happy DC Universe subscriber. So you'd recommend DC Universe? Uh very very highly. If you like uh, superhero comics at all, and you don't care necessarily about, uh, particularly if you're not like on comic Twitter or anything, and no one's going to spoil anything for you. Um, unless you specifically want, like, it's very important to you to get, like, to, to keep a title going if it's popular to make sure you're buying it month to month. You need to be, you only need to be spending $20 a month on superhero comics. Get Marvel Unlimited, get DC Universe, spend the rest of your comics budget on creator-owned titles, um, that were, like, where they're doing new and interesting things. Like, put your money in the experimental places. Put your money in, uh drama or fantasy or comedy or romance or anything else because you have an unbelievably enormous endless constantly replenishing library of superhero comics that you can be getting for the price of you know three of them <laughs> yeah that no it is really crazy the the like the netflix the quasi netflixication of the comic like the the big two where you can i guess i i had marvel unlimited for years and it's how i caught up on a lot of deadpool shocking i know and also thor a lot of thor i love thor Thor's good um jason aaron's thor was into that yeah yeah that, that shit was great i also uh the mighty thor so like lady thor is yeah the fucking she was fucking so good <laughs> oh yeah i was i was, I was picking up that uh, there was a period of time where in my life i was absolutely buried in in comic books i was living with somebody who was an assistant editor at marvel and got like every marvel book and a lot of dc books for free every week and so i was just like absorbing oh god way too much way too much uh and then i burnt out and i didn't pick up a superhero comic or really almost any comic books again for for like for like two years and oddly enough the book that got me re-energized about comics was um aubrey citizen and chris moreno's a comic book story of wrestling mm -hmm. uh and i was like oh shit i forgot i love comics um maybe i'm gonna start picking up some batman comics again i asked some friends for recommendations and then people i should get listen to what i should be reading right now and i got into uh james tynan's detective comics run which is an ensemble book which is like my favorite shit it's like it's like it's like everything I like about an X-Men book, but with Batman characters, it's great. Um, and then DC Universe coming around, and before that got full in there, I'm like, I want to go back and I want to read a lot more of older Batman comics from what I missed. And my fiance was interested in getting into Batman comics, but was like, oh, it's too intimidating. So I'm like, what if I did this blog? <laughs> um, well, really, it was what if we just made a list and went through it together, but then I started working on the list, and then I started uh, annotating the list, and then my friends were asking about the list, and the people online, I'm like, okay, well, I got a bit more detail because I won't be there to explain why I'm picking this book and what happened in between and what you missed, and next thing you knew, I was writing a book. So uh, so then Gotham City Book Club was was born out of that, and that's really been like my diving back in, and I was expecting to have to like kind of justify a certain expense, you know, like, like, you know, probably 30, $30 a month on, on digital trades and stuff to make it happen. And then DC universe expanded. And, and now I get all of the, I get all of this shit for like six ninety nine a month, plus whatever original TV shows they're making that I don't want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you didn't, do you haven't watched uh Oh God. Doom patrol. Is that what it is? I actually hear doom patrol is great. I just don't have. Time yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I've heard that too. That's why I was actually surprised. Um, so I, I guess this all kind of begs the question, if it were possible, do you think wrestling would benefit in general from the multiverse CD, the multiverse CD, sorry, I had to, Grant Morrison. Um, we had to get some Grant Morrison in here. This idea of a multiverse, which is to say that like, would you be okay if, in the same way that things that happen on, um, what the hell is the name of the Southpaw regional wrestling uh, don't affect what happens in WWE proper. Like, would you feel comfortable suspending your disbelief basically and having people operate as different characters in different 
style shows the WWE produced. Does that make sense? You mean like, what if they, what if instead of having Raw and SmackDowns taking place like in the same world, you had the same talent on both shows playing to separate characters that don't acknowledge each other? Um, I feel like that's solving the wrong problem. I got too many people. Well, no, I I, I guess, no, I I guess what I'm saying is, is that you have, so this wild card thing that they just did on Raw. um, So you have people come from Raw to SmackDown and SmackDown to Raw, but only those people, essentially those people would be separate characters that if they interact somehow, which they couldn't. Right, like in DC Comics, sure, you, not, you can't yeah. have people from different universes interact with each other, and they're like, oh my god, you look so much different. You wear glasses. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, that, that, but in wrestling, or would that be too much of a mindfuck? Because essentially what you've said, it, it would, and what, or at least what I've gleaned from it, is that there is... Because you can tell a lot of different Batman stories, you can kind of create a Batman that works for everybody. And since it's all done by DC, and like in terms of uh, the amount of money they're spending on publishing, they've already spent it. So if they have seven Batman titles, it's kind of like, cool, as long as we, if all Batman titles sell this amount, we're good. Like, do you think by and we've talked about expectations that the expectations of wrestling could never go back to what's essentially the um, territory model, right? Which is that like, if Terry Funk is a heel in San Francisco, he might not be a heel when he's on Amarillo television next week because he's from Amarillo. Like there was this idea that if you were a good guy in one territory did not necessarily mean you were a good guy in another territory. Do you think you could wrestling writ large, I guess, maybe not even just the WWE, but writ large would benefit from kind of a lot more movement of top level talent from promotion to promotion while still having it being under. So in other words, like, if Evolve or Progress or whoever that WWE has in their back pocket, right? Like those type of, if though they ended up creating separate universes, do you think that's even something that's possible or because everything is filmed and everybody has access to the same stuff, even though that's the case in comics, it wouldn't work because of the way wrestling works in our brains. Does any of this make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think it's an obstacle that everybody can watch it. After all, we're now in a time where anybody can watch any football, basketball, or baseball game if they want, and they still root for their guys, right? Like, they might have favorite players from other teams in a way that they didn't back when you only Mm -hmm. had three channels, and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't watch the 49ers every week unless they were on Monday Night Football. Um, Are they I don't know who's good now. I'm assuming it's not the 49ers. Um, Yeah. Um, But it's... No, no, um, they're not good. (laughs) It's interesting because in wrestling, you still have the ability to to like separate a wrestler into different territories and in indies. This happens there. I think there's, you know, there's sometimes where um, at a certain echelon, it's OK for somebody to be a to be a heel in one place and um, and a babyface in another or to be on a tag team with somebody in one promotion. I think PWG keeps its own continuity in that way. Where like in PWG, a tag team can be feuding with each other, but they're still allowed to be a tag team in other promotions. But they're kind of allowed to be in their own pocket universe. Um, Lucha Underground is certainly in its own pocket universe, and Lucha Underground benefited from the idea that they had Ricochet under a mask as Prince Puma. Uh, Ricochet and Prince Puma can never meet, right? But they are two separate characters with two separate sets of goals, and mostly the same move set. But like, they're you you do do it as two different as two different guys. I think the problem is WWE flirts with this sometimes with the brand split, right? And I think they've, they've more or less given up on it now because the ratings on both shows are kind of slipping and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Hence the wild card thing, Becky, Becky two belts, Romans on both shows. But um, the they were really counting on people having a loyalty to either Raw or to SmackDown when these two went up against each other. And I'll be honest, I actually did buy into it because I was really enjoying SmackDown and really not enjoying Raw. I was only watching one of those shows. They were kind of counting on their audience openly, actively liking one show and not liking the other show. And it worked a little bit too well by accident because 
while initially, I think right after the 2016 draft, I think both shows were pretty good for, for like a couple months, and then Raw fell apart and SmackDown got really strong. But SmackDown was becoming the show, I think, that people overwhelmingly preferred who were willing to spend the money for these big pay-per-view tickets. Like, I know that the average wrestling fan does not watch does not watch, you know, all these shows. I know that NXT, despite being, I think, critically considered the probably the most consistently good wrestling show on TV, is not getting seen by nearly as many people as as Raw, right? Raw is still the flagship. But um it's not to their advantage to make you hate one of their shows because they need you to watch all of their shows. Uh they're they're in, in it's crazy because I feel like six months ago we were talking about how great the wrestling economy is and maybe at large it still is, but all of a sudden we get this first quarter report back from WWE and we're like, oh, are they're in some big trouble. There's an opportunity to maybe play a home and away team for people after the two shows go to different platforms. No, and I think that's going to be, might be a better way to experiment with what I'm talking about. Is you, USA is like no both of those shows have to do well we need we have lead-ins that require them to do well there are actual economic reasons why both shows have to do essentially equally well proportionately like or proportionately well and i think that with the movement to the two separate networks there's going to be actual competition between the different shows you want everyone to want to consume raw content or SmackDown content. And since they're on the same network, USA is like, no, we, we want them to just buy WWE content. We don't like give a shit about what like works for you storyline wise. But they also don't make them different enough shows, Mm -hmm. right? Like something about, like I mentioned, there's all these Batman comics, right? But the titles, they're telling their own stories. Like for the most part, Batman is the core Batman title, and it's got a one set of creators. Usually, is uh, these days Batman and Detective Comics are both running bi-weekly, so um, so they have to have they'll have one principal writer per book, and they'll have a rotation of artists who will do story by story because you can't you can't produce a you can't produce a, a good quality twenty page comic book twice a month with by hand. So you have to you have to you have to stagger it right. But um, Batman usually has one tone and kind of like it's supposed to be for like, if you like this thing about Batman, like superhero action, big, crazy stories, get Batman. If you like the more down to earth sort of gritty, gritty, like street level Batman stuff, maybe you'd rather read detective comics. We'll make them different enough that you could, that you, we want you to buy both, but they're different enough that you might, if you only have budget for one, we'll make that choice easy for you. And then there will be like mini series. You don't have to read, but they're usually, okay, this is a a specific premise. And I know it's only going to be a six month commitment. So I'll pick this up for a while. And you know, you have, um, you know, among the ensemble, you have characters that have sort of different appeals. My favorite time period for Batgirl when it's, when it became sort of more like a like like a fun, slightly more cartoonish like um, adventure, but like like has a little bit more anime. It was a little bit more romance, and it was like just very distinct from from Batman, right? And um, if you like incredibly stupid. 90s comic style action beat feel free to pick up a red hood comic right but these are these are totally like there's a reason to watch there's a reason to read one over the other and the only reason right now to watch smackdown over raw except for you know that if they were all doing their job as best they could and those shows were both as good as they could be their goals are the same they're the same Mm -hmm. show and the only reason to watch Raw instead of SmackDown is, well, I'm home on Mondays and I don't mind sitting on my ass for three fucking hours. Like, they need to be different shows. NXT is better because mm-hmm. it's a different show. They make it differently. It's it's shot differently. They have more time to do their thing. It's only an hour a week. You don't get tired of people as fast. And then people leave before you get sick of them. That's what makes it uh, – just it's, it's better because it's different. Now – as I understand it, Fox wants a more sports-oriented program when it gets SmackDown on Friday nights in September or October in the fall, right? They they want it to be a little bit more in line with the UFC covers that they lost to ESPN, which is why they picked up WWE in the first place, right? 
Um, now, what could happen is they do that with just SmackDown and Raw remains a variety show on USA. Now you have a reason to prefer one over the other. I'm going to like SmackDown more in that situation because I tend to like more sports-style wrestling. I also like the cartoony shit, don't get me wrong, but I prefer when it's a little bit more like NXT is or New Japan is and a little bit less like people are standing uh, a little a little bit less a little bit less cartoony. I'm not putting down cartoony wrestling. It's a personal preference. Like I I tend to like one thing over the other, right? But I don't think they're going to do it. And what frustrates me also is you were talking about how how having separate rosters on separate things might really help to distinguish them. I was reading today or yesterday that uh, putting Roman on both shows was like was like a Fox demand, and which is a weird thing for them to demand because they get SmackDown. And if Roman's on SmackDown, they get Roman. But I, I don't I don't entirely understand the logic. But the idea going ahead and they could change these plans five times between now and September is that the rosters are going to cross pollinate more rather than less. Um, which would even be okay if the tones were different. But I think it's difficult to ask a professional wrestler who is made to wrestle five matches a week to continually change their style over and over again, like three times in a week. I don't think, I don't think that happens. I don't think we get the world in which WWE is giving us both a Batman and a detective comics. I think they're going to pick one and they're going to give us way too much of it uh, until we're sick of it. And that's I think it's I think it's happening now. I, I think the excitement about AEW is more about fuck WWE than it even is about yay AEW, right? Because they haven't they haven't delivered anything, right? We don't know what this show is gonna be like. We saw one pay-per-view that went reasonably well, except for they fucked up like the timing and they had to cut their main event short, right? But it was a pretty good pay-per-view. It's like, you know, probably probably one of the best shows in the US that year. But like we we don't we know the roster we have kind of an idea of the philosophy but we don't know if they can execute it. There's probably a reason why most wrestling promotions don't count wins and losses. It's fucking hard. Uh, um, like we don't know if it's going to work or not. But the thing that we like about it before we even watch a single episode of the show that they haven't technically actually announced yet is well, it's not WWE. So I think we uh, we've solved what's wrong with wwe through batman which i actually didn't know if we were going to get to but i i do definitely think that there is a need for a um a differentiation of the product not for the sake of making it two different shows so it'll be fun to watch both shows but because you want people who believe in a specific storyline or a group of storylines or a specific show that actually care about that show in the way that like people actually care about detective comics over Batman comics. And we'll get detective comics instead of Batman comics, because this is the version of Batman that they enjoy. And I, and then you have those things become self-sustaining in a way that the WWE brand isn't always going to be. Batman did a really great job of not changing the foundational parts of Batman. They DC did a good job of not changing the foundational parts of Batman, but allowing the world around him to evolve and become more modern and deal with more modern things, not through Batman, who is, is kind of this like timeless uh, wizard person in terms of like his age, but is still like, he is always a 42 year old dad, basically. And the, his kids, which is what the Batman, the Bat family is, are the ones that get to tell because he's such a strong presence get to tell the story of the world that we're in now through the prism of a bat upbringing essentially yeah i think it's batman has a very a very strong core like you can describe who batman is without talking about his specific history like you, i could describe you the personality of batman that would pretty much match most tonal interpretations from the campy to the grim dark that that stick right um and that's more or less been 
like mostly unchanged since like Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Dick Giordano in 1976. You know, like certainly Frank Miller put more of an edge on it. But what does Batman want? And like, how does he operate? Mostly unchanged for like better part of 50 years and not that different before then either. Um, and it's just a matter of you put him in a different, you put him in a different environment. You can put him in a, in a, in a colorful culture, a colorful, you can put him in a colorful cartoon for kids. You can put him in a way too fucking violent movie for adults. And it works uh, because the foundations are very strong. And that's perfect for comics because superhero comics in the big two in the never-ending machine resist growth. Stan Lee called it the illusion of change. Um, these characters are always going to revert to the classic, most marketable, most understood version. Um, if you're very lucky, and you're somebody who likes new things, if you're, if you're very lucky, you get Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern for 10 years. And then eventually Hal Jordan's going to come back, right? Um, but it's it's really, you have to start with something. You have to start with something very easy to understand and flexible enough to survive and that's why i kind of think that john cena survives in that i think more than almost any character in wwe i know exactly who that guy is and he hasn't really changed and i don't even mean between face and heel turn i think he could do a good heel turn without changing himself i think the idea of a john cena who's super insecure about his age and stops thinking about i want this company to move on and being like how dare this company move on that's a good john cena heel turn right but apart from like kevin owens who is like the greatest master of in-ring and promo character consistency in the entire world of wrestling like he's I know we were supposed to be talking about Shane McMahon, but you brought up Cena, and now I can't get off of it. <laughs> no, I, I uh, Cena is to they're the meta version of um of Batman to me is Shane, and the actual character of Batman is the meta version of John Cena. So I, I guess that because that was going to be the question I asked I, is that does that work out for you, or are you still do not see the connection between Shane and, and Batman, or at least Bruce Wayne. No, you got me. The um, the realist in me, when I want to play the metagame with you, can absolutely see the lines you were trying to draw between Shane McMahon and Bruce Boom. Wayne. Um, but the main thing that's going to keep me from totally acquiescing is I like Batman too much and dislike <laughs> Shane McMahon too much for me to completely grant your argument. And it's just stubbornness, right? You had me, I think if you roll back to about, about 25 minutes in, you, you did, you did, you did yeah. have me. Um, uh, so uh, as always, did you have anything to plug this week, Dylan? I have a great deal to plug, Nick. Uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, write a blog uh, every other Tuesday. I post an article about a Batman story from the post-crisis canon. And you can find that at uh, gothamcitybookclub.home.blog. That's gothamcitybookclub.home.blog or at gothamcitybc on Twitter, uh, where I also post my favorite panels and stuff from whatever I'm reading. Uh, and as we mentioned right at the top of the podcast, I am a member of the band, the hell yeah babies out of New York, New York, and we can be found at hell yeah babies on Twitter and Instagram or at, uh, or on Spotify and Facebook. Look for the hell yeah babies. Our album, all the things that you believe is available to stream wherever you stream, or you can buy it on Bandcamp. And you already heard, uh, one of the songs, uh, if you've listened to the show many times. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I highly recommend the album. I text Dylan like once a week telling him how good the album is. Uh, it's really great. Uh, it's post-punk, but also post-love. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you can check me out at the next year. That's T-H-E-N-1-C-K-S-T-E-R. Okay. Yeah. I, got that. I spelled that right. Uh, you can check us out at how uh, H-W-E-T-W pod. And also check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash H-W-E-T-W. Um, 
rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. I have no one to beat up anybody this week, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, thank you so much for taking the time out, Dylan. Um, it was great talking to you, and we'll have you on the show at some point in the you know semi-distant but not super distant future. Uh, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, Nick. Thank you for having me. To my fear, toxin. Not now. You are a disgrace. No. No. You are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Find your tongue, secure, and the promise that you're right.